The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Meryl Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Call Between Generations. I'm so pleased that you decided to join us today. So, our guest today is Scott Page. And actually, I want to start out reading a quote to you from his book, It's Never Too Late. And Scott's quote is, One of the most common ways we sabotage ourselves and limit or even destroy our potential is by giving negativity permission to live rent-free in our lives. To live rent-free in our lives. You know, I read that and I thought it was just so powerful. You know, and I thought Scott Page is right. You know, most of us grant negativity the right to inhabit our daily lives just day after day. And and one of the results of that is that we end up becoming resistant or even hesitant to listen to tips and methods that would support our aging in a more positive way. You know, through my work with seniors at Sarah Care, I've heard a lot of excuses. You know, people will say, ah, I'm only 50. I have plenty of time. Or someone who's older will say, let my children have the responsibility for cleaning out the house when I die. You know what? It'll serve them right. Let them clean up the mess. Or no matter how tough my life has been, everything has always turned out all right for me. You know, it's not going to change now. It'll turn out. Well, Scott Page is the author of It's Never Too Late, Getting Older, Wiser, and Worry-Free in Our Golden Years. I really appreciate that Scott has agreed to spend some time with us today because he's found some easy ways to help us have greater peace of mind and security as we're aging. Welcome to Quote Between Generations, Scott. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. So, Scott, why do you think people are fearful um, about discussing any issues around aging? Why, why do they have so much fear? Well, you know, I've, my, I've spent my professional career of almost 28 years now working with seniors and, and the elderly and baby boomers facing the ultimate, which the, the complete absolute uh, uh, denial of aging and dying in America. And I think that we've created a culture of superstition and not discussing things because if you talk about it, it will come. I remember my grandmother saying, we will never use the word death in this house because if you say it, it will come. And I remember thinking to myself, well, it's inevitable. We are all going to age and eventually die. It's the only guarantee we have in life. You know, I think Benjamin Franklin put it correctly by saying, the only guarantee in life is death and taxes. And as soon as we can start removing the fear and removing the unknown and embracing ourselves and accepting where we are in our lives and understanding what we need to do to make the next step, all the clutter, all the mystery, the shroud, it all starts to move away and we have more clarity. You know, we, um, I did a Facebook Live yesterday where we asked people um, to send us their questions and their concerns. And, and one of the questions was, you know, well, okay, fine. I'm willing to admit that, you know, I am fearful um, and it does make me resistant. But, but how do I change that? I mean, what do, what do I do? I think the 
The first technique I would say to someone is to start visualizing your own funeral. And I know that it sounds morbid and scary and creepy. However, once you can sort of visualize life does go on without you and the sun's going to come up tomorrow and the days are going to progress and there's going to be new children born and life will go on. And I think that we all have this fear that once we leave this earth, that everything's just going to stop, and it's not. And what we want to do is first embrace the fact that we are going to get old and we are going to pass away, and then start planning for it. Um, When I say visualize your own funeral, you know, first of all, start thinking about, okay, what do I want to be remembered by? How do I want to be remembered? Is there something special that I would like someone to say? Who would that person be that I would like to say? What would I like my funeral arrangements to be? Would I like to be economical and not pose additional financial burden on my family, perhaps considering a cremation? Or do I want a full-blown three-day, what I call funeral-a-thon, you know, with, with the viewing and the open casket? And once you start having these discussions with yourself, start jotting down notes. And if you only visit it once a week for five minutes and then 10 minutes, and then you'll find yourself sort of creating this journal. And after this exercise, you'll look at it and say, you know what? It's not quite as scary as I thought it was because the unknown, at least I now have a plan. And my wishes will be known and it won't be left as a burden for my family to scramble and be at an emotional vulnerable state to walk into a funeral home and be upsold on things that are completely not necessary. So you have a a saying in your book, um, you have a lot of wonderful quotes, by the way, uh, that obviously I really like because I'm quoting you (laughs) throughout the show, all right? So one of the things you said was, change your focus, change your future, okay? I mean, how, how how do you do that? I mean, it's, well, it's the same kind of question again. How do you do that? And, and you know, it, it, it seems so difficult, yet, you know, one of the, the things I wanted to convey in the book are very simple exercises that we've all heard before, and they might have gone in one ear and out the other, but, you know, the change your focus, change your future is really basic on what you want your future to be. You know, I think that people get depressed and misery loves company, and I love that you started with that quote because I think it's so important that, you know, you don't want to surround yourself with negativity. You know, if you have negativity in your life and it's not necessary, you know, we all have that friend that every time you call, they just want to complain. Either the lunch they had was too cold or the service provider didn't do what they were supposed to do or the paper boy didn't get my paper up on the porch or all of those types of things. And I think that if you allow yourself to get caught in that vortex of negativity, it's such a bad thing. And if you can just break out of it and focus on something good, whether you look out the window and think, you know what, the sky is beautiful. And let me just sit here for a moment and focus on that. Or let me think about something that I can find to excite me coming up. Maybe it's a grandchild's birthday, or maybe it's a holiday, or maybe it's just bingo night on Wednesday. And that's something that brings you joy. If you can focus on that and start pushing away all the negativity, and this is not an overnight exercise. This this could take this should, should be holistic in your life and every day to to wake up and find something that you're grateful for, whether it's just being able to get up and walk into the kitchen and get a cup of coffee, or wake up and roll over and see your spouse, or be able to to, to feed your pet. You know, these are all gifts that I think so many little things are taken for granted. You know, we've all heard stop and smell the flowers. I urge everyone to do it. Scott, um, actually, um, we're going we're gonna to go, unfortunately, for a quick break. Um, when we come back, though, I want to talk to you about tangible ways, actual ways that seniors can reduce expenses or they can generate extra income. And I have, we're going to have a little e-entertainment TV moment here because there's a great picture in the book of you and Betty White. So I, I just kind of want to get the little inside scoop on what it was like to meet Betty White, what she's really like in person. So would, would you do that for us, Scott? Absolutely. I'd love to. <laughs> great. Okay. We'll be right back. 
Stay tuned. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, it's Dr. Merrill, and we're back with Scott Page, who is the author of It's Never Too Late, Getting Older, Wiser, and Worry-Free in Our Golden Years. Scott is president and CEO of the Lifeline Program, which is one of the most innovative and forward-thinking life settlement providers in the country. He's a widely respected expert on retirement and financial issues facing seniors and baby boomers. He's appeared on national shows such as NBC Nightly News 2020. He's a frequent guest on the Fox Business Network and writes regularly for the Huffington, I'm sorry, for the Huffington Post. Um, Scott, before the break and before I get to the serious issues of um, extra income and reducing expenses. So there's a great picture of you and Betty White in your book because I was saying so. Give us the scoop. I want to hear the scoop. What was it like? <laughs> Betty is has become a very, very dear friend of mine. We um, it hired Betty to be our national spokesperson for some retirement um, products and services we were offering. And this when we first met, she had not, she had sort of gone away. It was before the proposal and she sort of made her resurgence. And we became very, very close friends. And I'd learned a lot from Betty that I was able to translate into the book about her attitude. And the, the, when I talk about positivity, you know, Betty finds something positive about everything in life. And she, she enjoys her life and enjoys her work. And she's such a wonderful, I think, role model to everyone that, you know, when, you, when Betty White is, what you see on camera is what Betty is. And she never speaks badly about anything or anyone. You know, she, she gets angry at times, which we all do. But I've never heard her say a crossword about anyone. Um, she, again, she stops doing smell the flowers. And she would say things to me like, Scott, you know, we're here on earth as a gift and our life is a gift and we should relish it and cherish it and do everything we can to nurture it and I would say she just turned 95 and I called Betty on her birthday and, and she's, she's losing her hearing a little bit but she's still sharp as a tack and thanked me for the call and also asked me of course when, we were, when I would make it back out there because she wanted to know when we could have brunch and have a vodka on the rocks so at 95, <laughs> we're going to rock on the rocks for lunch. That, that's Betty White enjoying her life. Well, that is great. Well, Scott, we get to be not going to be a vodka on the rocks. In my life, it's more like a milkshake. But, you know, <laughs> what can I say? So, Scott, give us... Give us some tangible ways that, you know, seniors can actually reduce their expenses. You know, in a way, though, that I don't feel like I'm suffering and I and I become bitter and angry about what I'm no. doing. 
Yeah. You know, one of the, the first things I talk to seniors about is downsizing. You know, we are instinctively hoarders, and we go through life collecting stuff and accumulating stuff. And a lot of times, you know, seniors that I've spoken to hold on to the big house too long. You know, they think that they're going to recreate a memory. You know, they're like, well, you know, we've spent 30 years around this dining room table celebrating Christmas, or we've done this and we've done that. And a memory is a memory and can never be recreated. And I think that a lot of people hold on to the big house and hold on to stuff because they have a memory about it. Whereas once you start to declutter your life, you find that you have much freer bandwidth to accept new things and new opportunities. And one of the ways that I help coach people to downsize is to take inventory of everything you have. And it's a big job. And a lot of the things I discuss in the book, these aren't overnight solutions, as I said earlier. But inventory of the life, maybe you have the... You know, your great-grandmother's silver set up in the attic that you're keeping for some reason. You know, I, I don't know anyone that serves have a dinner party with real silver anymore because it's such a pain to have to polish it and put it away and those types of things. <laughs> Maybe that's something that you sell on eBay and you just get the money for it, enjoy the money for something. Maybe you have that old Pontiac sitting out in the garage that you never drive any longer. Consider selling that and getting rid of it. Consider downsizing into a house. You know, speaking of Betty White, I think with the Golden Girls, they were on to something about cohabitation. Now, how wonderful would it be to spend your senior years with your friends all under the same roof? You would save money. You would pool your resources. You may have somebody who's great at cooking and someone who was a bookkeeper or an accountant to take care of finance and maybe a music teacher who can play piano and entertain everyone. You know, but here's a way to really lower your expenses by taking on roommates or moving in with someone and getting rid of that big house and all those those extra expenses. A second way. I think there's. Is, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. No, I'll say, a second way is you know don't be afraid to use the age card. You know, I I now have an AARP card and I use it every chance I get, and a lot of times I think seniors underestimate their cute factor. And are afraid to ask for discounts. You know, seniors need to use all the experience they have and be the sweet older man or the older lady and ask for discounts when they're buying and shopping for goods and services. Ask for the senior discount. And I think you'd be surprised at how the, the response you would get. So I think downsizing, utilizing your senior discounts, using the senior card when you can, and also some ways to get out and generate expenses is turning hobbies into resources. Now, one of the clients I worked with for a while loved to cross-stitch and grow orchids. And she had these beautiful pieces, and I was like, what are you going to do with these? She's like, well, I'm not quite sure. So I, I found a local flea market for her, and I made arrangements, and she went on a Sunday and set up a table. And now that's what she does. She takes orchids and cross-stitch to the flea market and sells them. And loves it. And she feels like she has a purpose now because she wants to, to get so many new units. She's called them units. So many new units of cross-stitch available for next week and normally sells out. And that's a way she all of a sudden has turned idle time but a hobby into a way to generate resources, which I think is fantastic. The one thing I will add to that is um, when my, uh, before my mother passed away, um, she gave me a list, which in retrospect, I should have looked at more seriously, but she gave me a list of items that she wanted to be given away um, at her, you know, after she had passed over. And and one of the things was a piece of artwork that actually was an expensive piece of artwork that she wanted to, we wanted she wanted me to give to my nephew and his wife. And and she had a statement about it, about why she was giving it to them and what it represented to her and how much something they had done for her meant to her and that this symbolized that. And after she passed away, I gave it to them. And at that moment when I gave it to them, I realized that it would have been so much more powerful if my mother had done that herself. Um, and, and she had told them that and that she should have given away some of these things while she was still living um, and she could have communicated, you know, how she felt about things yes. to people directly. 
Yeah, you know? it's very important, and and that's part of the declutter. Is you know you have these jewelries and these these family heirlooms, and all of these things are they may have much more sentimental value than monetary value, but the real power is story behind the item. To be able to sit down with someone you love and explain, you know, this was given to me from, you know, your great-grandfather and, you know, the circumstances around it, you know, that we were sitting outside on the porch and, you know, he she pulled this out and he told me how he worked so hard to earn the $30 to buy it. The stories around the items, and I also urge um, individuals when they're downsizing and taking inventory to write down the story with the item. And even if you don't have the opportunity to, to vest it away while you're alive, at least it'll mean so much more with that sentimental story behind it than far outweigh the monetary value. So while we're talking about moving, you have some considerations for moving. Could, could you review that with us? Yes. You know, it's, there's always articles of showing, you know, the new retirement hotspots and, and things to consider in retirement. And, you know, I, part of my book in Change Your Future, Change Your Focus, Change Your Future, and, you know, change is always good. And sometimes a move could do wonders. But for seniors who are considering moving, the first thing they should look for is cost of living. Look for locations that have a low cost of living and a state that's not going to go after taxing your Social Security checks. <laughs> the second thing that's important is health care. You want to be able to be somewhere that you can find good health care and accessible. And never underestimate weather. You, the last thing you want to be is in a climate where you're bone cold and you're having to bundle up every time you want to go outside because it will limit your ability to go outside. So just the three major things we consider a, a move for retirement. First is look at cost of living, look at health care, and the accessibility of health care, how easily you can get in. What's the demographic? Are you living in a, a population surrounded by seniors? Or you living in a population that's surrounded by young people because if it's young people, you're probably not going to have the accessibility in and out of doors, ramps, those types of things. So you really want to pay attention to accessibility and to health care. And the final determination is weather. There's nothing can replace stepping outside and feeling sunshine on your face. You know, the one thing I'll kind of add to that, Scott, is that when I bought um, a second place, and actually I bought a second place because I wanted to be closer to my mother without all of us being right on top of her and, and staying in her condo. Is But what I was looking, I realized there are certain communities that are the over 55 communities, and, and they have rules and regulations, and people that live there are very happy there. But I realized at that moment that I, did, I, I wasn't going to be so happy there. Um, I wasn't going to be so happy with rules that said your grandchildren, you know, can only be in the pool at such and such a time and on these dates, you know, um, and other than that, they can't be in the pool. So I think it's really important to take a look at all of those issues um, and, and, and make sure you understand all the rules and regulations, unless you're just going into a house. Um, but if you're going into a condo, you really need to make sure you understand all of those issues before you make a final decision. You do, and I'm going through that process uh, now with my parents. Um, we are looking at continuing care communities, as, as they're known as, and there are so many different varieties of them, and I urge people to start looking early. Go visit a few of them. Understand the rules and regulations. See what they have to offer. Check out the price points, but I believe continuing care communities and, and cohabitations are the future of senior living in America. So when you say cohabitation, I just, I just want to quickly address that. We don't have much time, but, you know, are we talking about multi-generational houses, you know, where maybe two or three generations of the same family are living in the same house? Are we talking about friends? I mean, what are we really talking about? I'm talking about going Golden Girls style, <laughs> the old <laughs> Golden Girls where it was, you know, it was um, – Betty White living with, with Ruma Kent Lanahan and B. Author and Sophia. No, cohabitation, moving in with other seniors, because I think multi-generational living has a tendency to be a powder keg. When you've got a senior that likes quiet, peace and quiet, that, and you know the last thing they want 
to be as bothered by children screaming and playing and running up and down the steps. So I think multi-generational living, you really have to sort of make sure you understand what you're getting involved in and understand what you want as a person. If, if you're looking for peace and quiet at certain times, are you going to be able to get that out of that house? Whereas when you're talking about seniors cohabitating together, most of the time, you know, of course, it's always good to set the ground rules and set expectations up front. But most of the time, you're going to be on the same schedules. You're going to like the same things. You're going to want to eat at the same time. You're going to want lights out at a certain time. So I think when I talk cohabitation, I'm, I'm focusing more on how the Golden Girls TV sitcom sort of played out. All right. We've been talking to Scott Page, who's the author of It's Never Too Late. Scott, give us some contact information for you because you have such great information to share with us. Thank you. Um, I can be reached at actually scottpage.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-P-A-G-E.com. Um, and also, senior resource that is helpful is a website called goldenopportunitynetwork.com. You can spell that out completely as goldenopportunitynetwork.com. It, it supplies services and products for seniors that have been checked out by experts. And, and hopefully, you'll invite me back to your show, and people can also reach me through you. Okay. Well, thank you. And actually, we will have you back. We're going to have you back. And Scott has lots of great tools um, and calculators to use on uh, to use in your life that are really very good. I was very hesitant about them. I'm like, oh, I don't want to know about life expectancy. Maybe I really don't want to do this. But actually, it was really good. And it was very valuable. So Scott has lots of great tools like that. Scott Page, it's never too late. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed this. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with Elizabeth Ibrahim. We're going to be talking about geriatric care management, which is one of those tools that affect that you can use um, in your aging process without fear. Stay tuned. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Do you understand what really needs to be done for your health? Or like many, are you mostly letting what you hear and see in today's media dictate your healthy lifestyle? It's time to get focused. There is a reason why cancer, heart disease, chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, and other illnesses are running rampant in our world. Ganino Wellness Radio with Dr. John and Linda Ganino will show you that there are easy, preventative, everyday steps to get you back on track. Listen live every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. So we were talking to Scott Page, and he was. we were talking about fears that pe- people have and hesitancy, but we were also talking about confusion, that people really don't know where to go for information or who to go to for information. One of those people that you can go to is someone called a geriatric care manager. And I have with me today Elizabeth Ibrahim, who is the director of geriatric care management 
Department for Care Connect, uh, which is a division of Seracare. She is a certified geriatric care manager with over 10 years of experience in the field of aging. And besides just being just a wonderful person and a great mother, which I can personally testify to, um, Elizabeth has spent her professional life helping families through the obstacles of finding care for their loved ones. Welcome to Call Between Generations, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Elizabeth, what exactly is a geriatric care manager? Sure. So, I'll touch on a couple of different points. First of all, what is geriatric care management in general? Um, It's a holistic, client-centered approach to caring for older adults while they're facing maybe ongoing health challenges. Um, We work with families to care for the older adults that are maybe long distance from them um, or that just need our expertise and guidance to help reduce worry, stress, time off work, and those kinds of things for caregivers. Geriatric care managers help families through assessment and monitoring, planning and problem solving, education and advocacy, and family caregiver coaching. So an aging life care professional, also known as a geriatric care manager, is someone who has a health and human services background. They can either be a social worker, maybe an RN, a certified care manager, um, which is what I am, And we help families who are caring for older relatives or disabled adults. Um, The geriatric care manager is educated and experienced in many types of fields of aging and really knows the resources in the community, the people to contact um, when caring for an aging loved one. So you use the term certification, and, I mean, let's be blunt about it. I mean, there are certifications where I kind of write my check uh, for $50 or $100 or whatever it is, um, and I get my certification. Is that actually the process for a geriatric care manager to get certified? Is that really even important that I would look for a geriatric care manager that's certified? Yes, it's definitely important to look for someone who's certified because it is a very rigorous process to become a certified geriatric care manager. So someone who is certified would have to have a background, like I said, in health or human services, have so many years of care planning experience specific to geriatrics and working with the older population. So even someone maybe who's an RN who's worked in pediatrics their whole life would not even be eligible to be a certified geriatric care manager. Also, we have a national organization, the Aging Life Care Professional Association, and even to be a member of that, um, on top of the certification that you obtain to be a certified geriatric care manager, there's other credentials you need to be a member of that organization, which I'm part of. Um, So yes, it's different than some certifications where you just write your check and automatically you're certified. This is a test, an exam you actually have to go take in a testing center. which covers all aspects of health and wellness uh, for seniors, and then also um, your background and experience with care planning specific to geriatrics and your um, experience caring for older adults. So let's get kind of specific. So can you give me examples of the types of problems that you handle as a geriatric care manager? Sure. I'll give you a couple of different kinds of examples. One example that I have is a father who's 93 years old, has early onset dementia, a little bit of memory loss, and he is caring for his son who's 64 and is a paranoid schizophrenic um, who has some mental health issues. The mother has passed away, and the other two sons live out of state, so it's very difficult for them to constantly be coming back and forth. They still work, have children of their own to care for the father and the son and just make sure that they're on the right path and and moving in the direction that they should be moving. Um, So they reached out to me and said, you know, can you please help? We need need help getting from point A to point B on some certain issues. One of those issues was the son had some eye issues. He needed cataract surgery. He had lost his license. Um, So I helped guide them through that process, helped get the cataract surgeries done, helped him get his license back. And we're now in the process of helping him get a job again um, because he likes that structure in his life and it's really important to him to have that purpose. Um, And then working with the father as well, making sure that he's taking his medications correctly, making sure that he's following up with his physician as he should. Um, I get all the physician appointments with the son and the father and then relay all that information back to the son who's out of state, who's their power of attorney and caring for them. 
Um, those are the major so things before- I do, all the way down to doing small things like going through the mail and making sure, you know, that all the bills are, are being paid and making sure that the right pieces of mail are sent to the sun out of state, those kinds of things as well. So. So for a long-distance caregiver, if, you know, that, that becomes, you know, very, very valuable. How do you communicate with the long-distance caregiver who, who can't be there? I mean, what, how do you, what kind of information do you give them? Well, I always ask them what their preference is as far as how we communicate. So some caregivers, I, they like to call. We talk on the phone. Some like to text, email. Um, it can vary as far as the way of communication. But the information that I give them is basically just a summary of the doctor's visit we went to or an update on this job search that we're doing now, um, how, his, how his cataract surgery went, um, that I went to the home and anything that I saw maybe out of place or anything that I worked on while I was there in the home, those kinds of things, just to keep the, the caregiver involved and feel like they're there and they're knowing what's going on. Um, Sometimes people refer to a geriatric care manager kind of as a coach or even sometimes like a surrogate sibling who's there, you know, the boots on the ground, the person to kind of watch over everything and relay all the information to the out-of-town caregivers. So So, stay on top of things and allows the, in this case, the father and son to still live independently um, and still, you know, go about their daily lives while still being kind of watched over and making sure that they're on the right path. So for the caregiver who lives in town, you know, why would I need a geriatric care manager and, and how would that help me if I, if, I, if I lived in town? Sure. So that's another example that I have um, a family that had just came to me. All the siblings actually lived in town and the mother had advanced dementia and they know that she needed a place. They were looking to place her in a nursing home, but the number of nursing homes was just you know, crazy different ones offer different things and which one is the right fit, which one is the right fit for them financially and as well as where she's at in her disease process. So I went in, did an assessment, um, gave the family a very detailed care plan, which is something that geriatric care managers do, write a very detailed plan of care, which also I refer to sometimes as a roadmap, giving them all the options that are available to them that fit their mother's specific needs and financial needs and directing them, I even, you know, check to see if there, is there open beds, are they male or female beds, how much are they. So it kind of walks them completely through the process so that all they have left to do is decide which one do I want to go to um, with having all the facts in front of them. Stereotric care managers can even go so far as to go and tour the facilities with the families if that's something that they want and help them make that final decision. Um, I also helped connect them with the Medicaid office because that was something that was going to be coming in the near future is that she would need to be on Medicaid um, and also con- uh, connecting them with some geriatric psych services that she needed as well. So just kind of taking all their confusion um, and kind of putting it down into a very p- detailed plan that they can look at and feel kind of the stress melt away and the confusion and kind of just follow it and know that at the end they'll have a solution and, and be happy with their solution. So that's how that's an example of how you can help someone who lives in town. Also, sometimes, you know, caregivers who live in town, they're in that sandwich generation. They have small children of their own or kids that still live at home. They're working full time and they have their loved ones to care for. So just having that extra set of eyes, ears, and someone to kind of help take um, some of the, I don't want to call it a burden, but some of the tasks of caregiving off of their plate is really helpful as well. Do you ever provide services for someone who is actually living, let's say, in an assistant living? And, and if you do, what kind of services, what kind of things do you offer? Sure. So geriatric care managers can be really helpful to people who are living in assisted livings because oftentimes the individual moves in and then that's kind of it. They have activities throughout the day, but you generally have to be a little bit more independent and able to go down to those activities on your own. So a lot of times the social component isn't as great in assisted livings because the one-on-one care isn't as as great as maybe in a nursing home. So geriatric care managers can go in and provide that social component to individuals that live in the assisted living, provide more of that one-on-one care uh, and companionship, socialization that they're needing, just someone to talk to on a more regular basis. So if the families are noticing problems with their loved ones assisted living or on the vice versa, the facility is saying, you know, we're having some real issues with them, they're behavior, they're not participating in activities, you know, what's really going on, 
the geriatric care manager can go in and see, you know, what, what, what's really the issue here? Why aren't you wanting to participate? Why are you having maybe these behaviors? And kind of coordinate between um, the family, the facility, and maybe even the physician involved to kind of get things back on track and get them going in the direction that they want to go in. Uh, you help so many people. It, it's it's really great. We are here uh, with Elizabeth Ibrahim, who is a certified geriatric care manager. When we return, we're gonna we're gonna ask Elizabeth. We're gonna get some free advice here uh, for tips for caring for loved ones long distance, and we're gonna talk a little bit about caregiver stress, and then we're gonna talk about some good resources that are available for you online. We're You're listening to Caught Between Generations. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Elizabeth Ibrahim, who is a certified geriatric care manager. So, You've talked a lot about the services that a geriatric care manager can provide, Elizabeth. What? How do they help with trying to figure out what is really going on um, with a senior? Can they help with assessment? Sure. So a geriatric care manager can do a comprehensive assessment on someone. And what I mean by comprehensive is we don't just look at the medical issues. We look at the environment that they're living in, the family dynamics, the financial situation, um, the legal situation, if there's any power of attorneys involved, their previous, you know, what they did for work, what they used to like to do socially and for hobbies, spiritually. We take in all those different aspects and uh, do an assessment on kind of each one of them and then pull together um, what we really feel is going on with the individual and what we feel would benefit and help them. We also so, involve pharmacists if needed, physicians, psychiatrists or psychologists, Um, really just anyone to get that full picture of the individual so that we can best know how to help them. So not that there is ever any conflict in any of our families, um, but as you and I know, um, we often see conflict in families either between adult children um, not agreeing on you know, what should be the roadmap or the plan, or sometimes the adult children are in agreement, but they are disagreeing with, let's say, their mother over the care of their father. How can a geriatric care manager help in those kinds of situations? What we can do is kind of get the family all together, try to get them all on one page, and kind of how how I go about doing that is sometimes start from the solution and work our way back. So a lot of times when you're talking, for example, if we're using siblings here that aren't agreeing, If you say to them, if one says, well, I want mom to go to a nursing home, and the other one says, she doesn't need to go to a nursing home, she's perfectly fine at home, that's where the conversation ends because they can't get past that. So a lot of times I'll go to the solution and say, what is is your goal? What is it that you both want? Well, I want mom to be happy and healthy. Well, I want mom to be happy and healthy too. 
okay, look, you both agreed. You both agree on the solution and the goal that you're wanting to. So now let's work backwards and see what we can do to accomplish those goals. So a lot of times just letting people see that they do want the same thing, it's just they want to go about it in a different way, can be helpful to kind of approach it from that aspect. I think that's a great, that's a great example. I really like that. Um, and can you handle situations where, for instance, some siblings are living in town and other siblings are living out of town? Yes, we can conference in the siblings or even Skype in the siblings that are living out of state or out of town so that they can feel like they're there at the table with that conversation as well. Um, For my clients that I have now, um, the siblings that live out of town, I do like group emails or group texts to let them know, you know, what's going on and keep them informed. So we kind of have that continuous group conversation going on. So definitely technology plays a great role (laughs) in keeping out-of-town caregivers involved with those situations. So I know that you you charge and and every geriatric care manager um, charges and and the fees vary depending on where you live, what part of the country you're living in. Um, does insurance cover these services? Most insurances do not. The only time that an insurance would cover geriatric care management services is if you have a specific long-term care insurance policy and it covers care management within that policy. Otherwise, your traditional Medicare, Medicaid. Um, Advantage plan, Medicare Advantage plans do not cover geriatric care management. So what is the advantage? Because, you know, all of us see the commercials on TV that, that offer, that look like they offer, in effect, you know, the same kinds of services, but they're free. You know, you don't have to pay for them. So how does the, what you're doing and other geriatric care managers doing differ from that? Sure. So I refer to those kind of companies more of like placement services. So they aren't doing the full assessment. Um, They're more so just helping the person move from one place to another. And the difference between them and geriatric care managers, how they can say that their services are free is because they get paid actually by the facilities in which they place the individual. So as a geriatric care manager, our solutions and advice that we offer are unbiased. They're based on our assessments. They're based on data that we are collecting and gathering, and um, our our recommendations are based off of that along with the client's wants and even the family's involvement as well, whereas these services, these free services, um, they're based, I mean, I don't want to say all of them do this, but you really don't know because maybe, you know, they get paid more by this facility, so they're obviously going to place more people there. Um, So that's kind of the, the difference. We're unbiased approach. We're actually paid by the client. We're working for the client. And these people are, in effect, kind of working for the facilities because that's who's paying them. What are some good resources uh, for caregivers uh, to reference online? There's good resources online out there. Um, One of them, and how to find a geriatric care manager, is actually aginglifecare.org. And on there you'll find uh, tips, resources for caregivers, as well as how to locate a geriatric care manager in your area just by putting in the zip code. There's also caregiving.com or caregiving.org. SarahCare.com has great resources. And also AARP is a good one because they have an online caregiving community. So you can get on there and actually interact with other caregivers that might be in your same situation. And it helps to talk to someone a lot of times who's in your same situation. You can discuss what you're doing, what the other person's doing, and maybe get some new ideas that might work good for you. So I always like to recommend them as well. Okay. Um, do you have any last thoughts or do you want to give us just like one or two tips, your favorite tips for handling family situations? Sure. Um, so for handling, I'm going to kind of focus on the long-distance caregiver. Just um, getting to know the neighbors that live around your parent, if you're caring for your parents and you're out of state, getting to know the neighbors that are around and really keeping in touch with those close people that are nearby that you can call in a, in a pinch to go check on them. Constant communication, being visible, letting mom or dad know that they have, you know, that you're nearby in effect via communication technology and that you're always there to help them. Um, Building a personal network to help you even though you're out of state and one of those people in your network can be a geriatric care manager. And just always have a plan and have it in writing so that if something happens, a crisis happens, you know what steps you're going to take. It's been great talking to you. So how, how, what is your contact information? 
You can find my contact information on www.sarahcare.com. Sarah has an H on the end of it. Or you can reach out to us at 330-454-3200. And Elizabeth, give us the website again for the geriatric care managers. To find a geriatric care manager, it's www.aginglifecare.org. And you can search for a geriatric care manager based on your zip code or even just get some great tips as well for caregiving on there. Okay, great. All right. Lots of great information. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. So my takeaway today is I always tell you to do just one thing for yourself. And that one thing that you all can do is is stop allowing negativity to control your life. Remember what Scott Page said. Remember his quote that I quote I said for you at the beginning of the show. So whether that means changing your focus or your thoughts, maybe it means, you know what, just stop hanging out with those people who are so negative and make you feel bad about yourself. My grandmother used to call them negative Nellies. Should stay away from the negative Nellies. You know, because they make you feel bad because sometimes what they're doing is they're talking about how terrible their life is or all of their aches or pains or, you know, their pain in the you know what that their in-law is is creating for them. Whatever it is, it's constant negative, negative, negative. It's not good for you. And you know what? It's not good for them. So the next time, you know, you need to say to them, you know what? We can't keep doing this anymore. It's not good for you and it's not good for me. So the next time we talk, let's begin our conversation with one or two positive things that have happened recently. I mean it. Just try it. Or, or, or you know what? Just stop hanging out with those people. I mean, really, you don't want to continue all this negativity. Remember what Scott said? Do not allow that negativity to continue to live rent-free in your life. This is Dr. Merrill. Thank you for listening to Call Between Generations. I hope you'll catch us on Facebook Live. Remember, I love getting your emails at Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations. You can call into the show and as always do just one thing for yourself. I hope you'll stop the negativity and begin to focus on everything that's much more positive. And why is that? Because you are really important. You're very important to a lot of people in your life. So take good care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.